Uh, and we realize that um, there are a lot of factors that play in. Uh, many of you don't know that my dad was a three, three combat tour veteran. He, in, in Vietnam, he had three combat tours in Nam. And uh, a couple of those tours, he, he got beat up pretty bad. One in particular with a hand grenade and, and a couple of other things just in, uh, in, in those things. And, of course, the, the Vietnam vets don't get enough credit for serving as it is. But um, uh, So, uh, cumulative effects of... Uh, just being on the front lines in combat um, have just, and, and you know, we all get old. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, just continue to pray for him um, in those things. Uh, so it was great to see with him. And, and uh, at one point, him and I were just sitting on the back porch by ourselves. I don't even know where everybody else was. Um, and, you know, I prayed for my dad's salvation for years. And uh, you, you all know that uh, several years ago, I don't know, four years ago or more now, he, he gave his heart to the Lord and got baptized. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was great. And we're just so blessed by that. And this past, just thank you for letting me go just for this. Uh, sitting on my dad's back porch. My dad and I had a conversation about how much he loves Sunday school. How much he loves Sunday school. And the relationships that he has built in a men's Sunday school class. And he was talking to me about the things that they're reading. And the things they're talking about. And, and those things. And, and I just began to thank God at that moment. For just being there to hear that with my own ears. Um, and not to mention to thank God for a good church who builds relationships. So, uh, good weekend for me. Yeah, I don't know about dad, but anyway, uh, probably should pray for my stepmom. I, I don't often refer to her as my stepmom, but anyway, I gave her a hard time while I was there, which is par for the course. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we had a great time. Took my dad out, my dad and my mom out for dinner and uh, wanted to buy him a steak and nope, liver and onions. So, ugh. I said, Dad, I have some money. We can eat a steak. And nope, liver and onions. Uh, God bless him. So turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 5. Now, I, I have an agenda today. And, of course, there's not many sermons where I don't. But because the Lord has spoken and he's speaking to us as church and those things, I want to talk to you today uh, about a particular conversation Jesus had with some of his disciples and how it relates to who we are, where we are, and what God has been speaking to us. And the opportunities that we have in a, uh, in, in a, in a right now. Right now. Everybody say right now. Right now, in this world where we live in, where we, we, we wonder about everything being shut down or not being able to uh, do anything or those things and, and nothing be effective. And it seems like the whole world is just on pause and ready, set, ready to go, but no one will let us go and, and, and all those things. Everybody say, right now. Right now, I want to talk to you about what I believe the local church, the New Testament church, who we are, and the opportunities that we have. And, and I, people tell me all the time, they, they're like, hey, Pastor Don, um, how do we get involved? Most of that is around, I have something that I want you to do, Pastor Don. Or I have an agenda that I want you to let me do. I was listening to a conversation uh, or a, a, a talk that, uh, I'll just share this, that John Cooper, uh, you might not know him, some of you might know him, he's the lead, lead you know him Ryan? Yeah, yeah. he's the lead uh, singer for Skillet. And he has a podcast called Cooper Stuff, you all should subscribe. Now, maybe you don't like Skillet because they're a little hard for you. But someone once said to John, because he was talking about how him and his wife, the lead singer of Skillet, who's been around for over 20 years, this band is very popular. They're Christian celebrities. They oftentimes perform their uh, concerts with non-Christian bands. And they get to present the gospel uh, in their genre of music. 
And uh, the, the church that John and his wife are involved in is about a 200-member church. They, they say it's not a huge church or those things. Um, but they're very involved in their local church. And someone once said to John, because of his fame, because he's a talented musician and all the things that he's done, you should be on the worship team. And he said, absolutely not. Listen to his heart. He said, God has called me to present the gospel through entertainment. And that's what I do. And the moment that I get up on a Sunday morning on the worship team, because I'm a celebrity Christian, you're going to turn what we do on Sunday mornings as far as worship into entertainment. He said, he said, let me tell you what my wife and I do in our local church. We help in the children's ministry. (laughs) Tatted up, long beard, metal screaming, John Cooper, Gages. He went on to say how he believed that the New Testament church, especially the local church, is the most powerful thing in North America. Cooper stuff, you should all subscribe. I want to talk to you because people often tell me, Pastor Don, we want to get involved. Pastor Don, what's my purpose? Pastor Don, how can we be used by God? Most of that's always already preferenced with what they want to do instead of what needs to be done. So when you suggest to someone, maybe like John, hey, we need help in the children's mission. Oh, that, I'm not called to that. You just told me you didn't know what you were called to do, but you wanted to do something because you're called to do something. And as soon as I give you something to do, now you're not called to that. Am I preaching already or just, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You, Jesus is speaking here, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Some of your versions may say, it's no good. It is no longer good for anything. It is no longer good for anything. Jesus is looking at his disciples and saying, don't be no good. I had people leave the church because I looked at them and said, stop being no good. Be good for something. He said, how shall it be good for anything except to thrown out and trampled under people's feet? Then he says in verse 14, you're the the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But they put it on a stand and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light, in the same way, in the same way, let your light, let it be lifted up. Let it be high. Don't let it be hidden. Let it be up where it gives light to darkness. Let, Let it shine before others so that they may see your good work. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So, Father, would you bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name? And everyone said, A clever salesman earned a living with one phrase No one else could sell like he could sell. And no one could figure out how he had the ability to sell his product to people when no one else could. He, he seemed to be more successful as a salesman than anybody else. And one day, someone wanted to learn how he was successful. And they went with him and he knocked on a door. First door that he had talked to all day long. He had his product in hand. And he knocked on the door. The person answered the door. It's the first door of the day. And he says to the person who answered the door, let me show you something that several of your neighbors said you can't afford. (laughs) Hello, somebody. What's up, Colton? Welcome home. Give Colton a hand, right? Graduated ABI, right? Have you ever felt you were encouraged to invest in something because of wrong motivation? Come on. Now, we grew up, I love music. 
And uh, when Lisa and I were first married, I had this whole entertainment system that had a nice stereo and, and some speakers in it. And this traveling salesman showed up with a vacuum cleaner. We couldn't afford the vacuum cleaner. And he's demonstrating vacuum. It was a rainbow. Any of you guys that know those rainbow? Oh, they're epic, aren't they? Like, um, we couldn't afford that vacuum cleaner. If you know the rainbow, you know why we couldn't afford that vacuum cleaner. <laughs> And I made it through the whole, sales, the whole sales statement, the whole thing. I made it through the whole thing saying, no, we just can't afford it. I, I'm sorry. And then he went over to my speakers, which were about this tall. And he took the wand and he went down the face of the speaker, you know, because it had the foam mesh on it. And he showed me the difference. We bought a vacuum cleaner that evening and... <laughs> Wrong motivation. <laughs> you ever felt like you got invested in something because of wrong motivation? It was something that didn't return to you uh, what the amount of investment you put into. There's no way it's ever going to return that kind of fruit to you or make that big of a difference. And you overinvested because of wrong motivation. You ever been there? Come on. Am I the only one who's bought a vacuum cleaner because it cleaned my music speakers? Is it- I am? Sorry. Let me show you something several of your neighbors said you can't afford. Well, let's just say this. Investing is expensive. Can you say amen? But if you do it right, if you think about it, if you invest in the right things, it can bring great reward. Somebody say amen. If you do it right, it can bring... And and investing your life... Brings great purpose. Jesus makes a statement. He says, a man who seeks to save his life loses it. In other words, a man who only thinks about his life. A a person who only thinks, a, a person who is a consumer in their own life. Everything's about them. Everything's for them. Everything's, everything's got to flow through them. Everything, it's drama, it's drama, it's drama. It's all about, hello somebody. But he says, a man who loses his life finds it. And Jesus is, he's trying to say that people who invest their life, people who give their life away, they're the ones who actually find the meaning of life. Uh, People I hear all the time, oh, oh, I'm trying to discover the meaning of life. Let me help you out. Give it away. In consuming, you find no meaning. In giving your life away, you begin to find purpose. And you find reward. And all of a sudden, all those little things that were drama because of your being a consumer of everything seem to fade away because they don't really matter anymore. Because now life has a different meaning. Salt and light are expensive. Y'all didn't say amen. Salt and light are expensive. How many times do you scream at your kids about turning off the light? Why? Because it's expensive. Turn off the light. Turn off the light. Turn off the lights when you leave the room because it's expensive. It's expensive. Salt and light are expensive. Hello, somebody. Why? Because salt and light are both essential to human life. Cannot, cannot live, human life cannot live without salt and without light. Think about that. It, the, the way God created us, these two things are so essential that the relevance of who they are are designated in service beyond themselves. Think about that. The Romans had a saying And the reason this is important is because the people that the New Testament were written to were under Roman occupation, Roman culture, all these things they would have been used to. The Romans had a saying. There is nothing more useful on earth than sun and salt. You ever heard this saying that a man is worth his salt? Some, some of us older ones, maybe. Oh, he's worth his salt. You ever, you ever heard that? 
That means he has value. That means that he, he's worth something, right? Now, why is that a saying? Why is that there? Well, Jesus uses salt and light as a symbol of the characteristics of the members of the kingdom of God because he knew how relevant they were to the society he was preaching to. He knows how relevant they are to life altogether. The Romans had a saying, there is nothing more useful than sun and salt. Jesus is trying to make this comparison for us for a reason. Why? Because just as salt and light enrich and preserve and influence, so should the Christian And the world that he lives in. Just as the world cannot exist without salt and light. Jesus was saying to us. The world cannot exist without the believer. You are that essential. You are that important to what God is doing. Let's just do this. The impact of the early church is incredible. And, and, and I know that some of us have just been moving through Acts and, and those type of things. And the, 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 there's a small group of believers, 120-ish or so. And, and, and they were gathered together on the day of Pentecost. And in that moment, in their gathering together, they've got a, a, a witness. They begin to see the impact that the church was, was, was having... To change the course of history. In that moment, as the church is birthed, they begin to see the impact that Jesus wanted to have by establishing the church on planet earth. Their impact, the early church, I'm going to say this. Their impact, the early church, literally changed the course of history. We can't even today stand here and imagine the ways that the message of Jesus Christ has changed the course of history. We we can't fathom the power of the change because of the message of Jesus. Everything since the time of Christ has been influenced by the message of the gospel that he gave to his disciples to spread. Everything. We, we live in a culture, church, that is more conducive. You might not believe this, but I believe it to be true. We live in a culture right now that is more conducive to the spreading of the gospel than the early church did. Right now, in the time that we live in, more people are open to the gospel. Right now, in the time that we live in, history itself, situations itself, circumstance over the globe... Has, has changed in such a way that people are more inclined to hear the message of the gospel than they ever have before. And I would dare to say to you that because of COVID, the church has had reach into communities and areas because of the internet that we've never had before. As much as I hate social media... When used properly, it has given us avenues into people's lives that we would never have had before. I would dare to say to you that there are people listening, watching, hearing some church broadcast today that a year and a half ago probably had never heard, been, or seen a church. I would dare to say to you that. We live in a culture right now where the world wants you to believe that it's a negative thing to be a Christian. I want you to understand that I believe that God himself has created a place so that you and I could stand out and not be ignored. Because before, oh, it's just church. It's just some Christians. They just, it's Sunday. It's Sunday. But now, guess what? See, in the early church, for them following Jesus probably meant death. It was much more hostile to them than it is to us today, even though we might think here in America 
And I, I've read some of these statistics and, and those type of things about how, you know, the church is failing and falling away and, and there's no influence. I don't believe it. You, everybody say me, are the salt of the earth. Now, those are Jesus' words, not mine. And some of your Bibles, that might actually be in red. You are the salt of the earth. This suggests some things. It suggests purity. It suggests preservation. It suggests flavor. Now, I, I brought some salt today. And, and just some that my wife just had in her, her cabinet for things. There, there's some kosher salt. I have no idea what you use that for. But I think, I think you use it for canning, baking. Yeah, it's stuff like that. Maybe foot rubs. I, I don't know. I don't. I'm always amazed that the same salt you can use for, for canning, you can put on your feet and make them feel better. I, I just say, you know, pickle your feet. There you go. There's a going right there. That's kosher. Salt. You probably have some. There, there's regular, uh, you know, salt. We iodize salt. We, you know, bleach salt or whatever this is, you know. Like, anyway, we, we, we take this to the Amish restaurant with us. So, you know, sorry. Um, I love my Amish food, okay? It's, it's great. It just needs a little salt, that's all. Anyway. A little hot sauce. <laughs> but this is probably, you use this for a lot of things. Right? Like it, flavoring, cooking, you know, adding, whatever it is, those type of things. Now, the, my, my, favorite, my favorite salt is the salt that I bought while I was in Brazil. Oof. It's very coarse. And, and you just take, it's, you put it on the steak when it's on the grill. And it just like melts into the meat. And, and oh, is it? Salt. This is this is Don's salt. This is my salt. This is salt. This is the good stuff. You don't put this on the mashed taters. Okay, this is for the meat. And for all you people, bless you. And I know Jesus loves you anyway. That put sugar on your meat. Shame on you. <laughs> Who puts brown sugar in sloppy joe? What the? No! Salt goes on meat. Sugar goes on cake. Salt. This is man's salt. Here, this is, oh, yeah. I hear it. Every time I open it, I hear it. That's it. Yeah, that means the grill is fired up. Anyway. All right, so I'll get emails, whatever. I brought some salt. You are the salt. And let's talk about this for a minute because I want you to gather this picture. The Romans always thought of salt as a symbol of purity because of the process of making salt. In order to make salt, they needed seawater and sun. And they had this process of making salt with seawater and sun. And so what happened is because of their ability to make salt and because salt was a very valuable commodity, the Romans paid their soldiers with salt. That man's worth his salt. They paid their soldiers with salt. And so it was not uncommon for a Roman soldier to have bags of salt and to also purchase stuff with salt and those type of things because salt was very, very, very expensive. And especially Roman salt because of the way that it was made. There was, it was clean. There was no dirt in it. And if you got to mine it out of the ground, you got to, you know, not the Romans. They did it with seawater. And so it was a very valuable salt. And so Roman soldiers were paid. They were paid. We get our English word salary from the Latin word salt. Why? Because people were often paid a salary with salt. Come on, church. It is brilliant when you start looking at it. And so Jesus, in the brilliant 
way that he teaches the scripture, always has a way to make things very relevant so that his, his hearers and readers would get it. Jesus uses the symbol of salt to emphasize the influence of purity that a Christian should bring to society. Because of the process of justification, when the sun is applied to your, to your life, come on church, you are made clean and valuable. And Christian influence should be one of purity in the society that we live in. But oh, it's legalist if the preacher gets up and preaches against sin. If he calls it out in the church. If he says, you can't have fellowship with darkness and light. But what was Jesus saying? How can you be an image of purity to a lost and dying world if you yourself? You are salt. Be who you are. That's influence. And, and that always gives us influence into society. Preservation. Think about this, what salt does. Salt is invaluable, especially in a day without refrigerators. Meat, meat spoiled if it wasn't salted. So it's a preserving agent. And Jesus used that to show us that as Christians, we, we, not politicians, not Washington, D.C., not crazy legislation. We, the believers, Christians are the preserving element of society. Yes, we are. You are salt. And you say politicians were salt. He called them a bunch of snakes. He said, you are salt. You are a preserving agent for society. When, 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 listen, you remember when Abraham's begging God not to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? For him, he's the preserving agent. Can we find 50? Can we find 20? Can we find 10? No, for you. Come on, church. The world we live in is full of darkness. And we live in the age where the Bible says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And we can't turn this and go, how can, you, how can you agree that any of that is good? How can you dare to think that that means anything that's going to be beneficial? That is, it was evil just a little. Now we're calling it good. I don't get it, right? And God says to us, you're salt. You didn't change. You're still salt. You're the preserving agent of society. I'm applying you to society to preserve it. The world tells us Christians are not needed. But Jesus compared our value in the world to something that is essential to life itself. Salt. Don't let the world tell you you're not needed. They would never say salt's not needed. You are salt Flavor. Oh, come on, somebody. Hello. Gee. Oh, did you hear it? Oh, right there. Man salt. Now, let me shock you and let me just give you something. I'm going to give you a little nugget here to chew on today. Salt loses itself in service to the object that is being salted. You know, I love this salt from Brazil. Because you take it, you put the steaks on the grill, and they get really hot, and you take the salt, and then you sprinkle the salt on it. And as that salt, this salt warms up, it literally melts. It melts into the meat, this salt. And you, you don't see it anymore. It's, it's gone. It's not grainy. It's not gritty. This salt, when it gets hot, it begins to melt, and it loses itself completely in service to what it was placed on. Think about that for just a minute. This is why we still struggle as Christians today. We are too me focused. We can't even lose ourselves in service because we're too busy dealing with ourselves. You know, 
so many of us are living in the past experiences that it's no wonder why we don't have any hope for the future. And I just want to say this to you. You can tweet it out if you'd like. But hope for the future has always been in a war with past experiences. And I want to tell you today, Jesus came to give us hope. He said, if any man be in me, if any man is in Christ, is what Paul wrote, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You don't believe that scripture. You're still living in the past. Yes, some awful things happen. You don't been through some stuff. It's you, it doesn't change the fact that you're salt. And that if you start to begin to lose yourself into the thing God wants to apply you to, you'll begin to find greater purpose in life. And those things that used to paralyze you and keep you down and keep you full of doubt, all of a sudden seem to disappear. Why? Because you've lost yourself in service to something other than you. When salt is applied to food properly, hello somebody, it makes food foodier. (laughs) You see, it's not the taste of salt. It's so that food tastes more authentic. Now, here's a strange theory. Maybe you don't do it in the north. We do it in the south. But you, maybe you get a watermelon, right? You cut the, oh, it's so good. You can't wait. Your mouth is water. It's watermelon. And, and, you, and it's not sweet. What happened in this watermelon? Maybe it didn't get enough sun. Maybe it didn't get enough water. But it's just not sweet. And in the south, you know how we bring that sweetness out in that watermelon? Y'all ain't put salt on your watermelon. Why? All of a sudden, it's not the taste of salt you're after. It's all of a sudden, it made that watermelon more watermelony. <laughs> Can I ask you if, you, if you're, if you're, listen, think about this. If you're discouraged about watermelon not being sweet enough, why not pull out the sugar? It's not what you do. You bring out the not the man salt. Salt makes food foodier. I like it. The disciple. The disciple. Now watch this. As salt of the earth, just as salt makes food more authentic, the disciple as salt of the earth makes the earth more authentic as it should be. Jesus says, you're salt. And if salt makes something more authentic, then I'm applying you to the earth because you're the salt of the earth. I want the earth to be more authentic, more of a blessing, more of an encouragement place for all of humanity. Listen, Christians. Listen to me, Christians. Our role in society is not to be against it. And in the culture we live in, it is so easy To just be against everything. That's all the church is. We're against it. 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 When we did our battle here in Centerville. Some year or so ago. I was very careful every time I got a chance to speak to the council not to highlight what they thought I was against. Instead, every speech that I was able to give was what we were for. This is our community. This is what we are for. They would, uh, some would always try to turn it around, but I would never let them do that. Why? Because my calling is not to just be against everything. This is the huge mistake of modern day Christianity. Well, Pastor Don, does that mean we're supposed to approve uh, open and willful sin that the Bible calls sin? No, not at all. I'm salt. When the watermelon's not sweet enough, apply salt. When the world is not what it should be, apply a Christian. Oh, come on, somebody. Don't take something away. Jesus added something too. Church, we are important in this world. Firm Foundation Ministries, local churches matter to their community. 
That's why I continue to say, no matter who we are or what we're doing, we will not beat up other churches here. They might do ministry different than we do. They might worship different than we do. They might preach different than we do. I, listen, if they're naming the name of Jesus, my job is to say, go get them. The, the woods is full of lost people. Go get you one. Bringing purity and enrichment is what Christians do to make the world we live in a blessing. Yes. Yes. Now watch this. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. Um. <laughs> you have no idea. You have no idea. <laughs> Somebody actually said it out loud in church. <laughs> Something wrong with him. I embrace it. I do. I must say this because this is what I truly believe. And, and, it, and it, it comes from every fiber of my being. There is nothing secretive about the Christian commitment or the Christian way of life. There's nothing secretive about being a Christian. The way I live my life, the way I talk, the way I act, where I go, what I do. I should never have to hide the fact that I'm a Christian in any of those places, situations, or circumstances. As a matter of fact, in all those places, situations, and circumstances, it should stand out without announcement that I'm a Christian. Let me prove it to you. The disciple is described by Jesus as light to the world. Let me say something to you, Firm Foundation Ministries. I, I often preach at other churches, but I, I, I preach and lead this church. So uh, watch this. I'll say this to us. Christianity is never a call to retreat from life. It is a call to manifest God into a dark world. As Christians, we should not hide ourselves, but we should live and work in a way, in a place, and in a fashion that our influence can be felt anywhere we go. Light is a call to service. Light's a call to service. Light is a call to service. It's never a call to draw attention to itself. You can't look directly into life. Instead, it's a call to point people to the one who can lead them out of darkness. Jesus expressed this in two ways. A city set on a hill and a candle on a lampstand. Let me, let me give you a big revelation this morning. She's going to just rock your world. And it, I mean, just going to shock you. Put your seatbelt on. Light dispels darkness simply by being present. You ever turn the light switch on? Does darkness ever argue with you? It's that easy. You're not over there going... Can't get the light switch on. Darkness is fighting me. Hello, somebody. And instantly, light is gone. It's, it doesn't. I mean, dark is gone. It doesn't. It doesn't like. No. I mean, like it's gone. It's just. Sometimes you ever been in a very, very dark room and, and you didn't realize, and somebody just turned on the lights and startled you. Poof! Oh. That's never happened at 4 a.m. at my house while my wife is still asleep. Never. 
It does no good to complain about darkness. The political environment, society, we could spend all of our time complaining. The economy. My wife and I, while we were traveling, we tried to stop and eat uh, at a couple of places, and there were literally signs on the door of restaurants that we can only do takeout only because we don't have enough staff to work the lobby. No one wants to work because the society that we live in is paying people more money to not work. Let me just speak to this real quickly because I want to be positive about it. It wasn't until after the fall of man that work itself was a negative thing. Work is a good thing. It's biblical. And sometimes you make less money by giving your life in purpose than you do by playing video. I'm sorry. What am I doing? I'm going. I don't know where that came from. That was. But see, I do no good by complaining. I don't have any control over that. I don't, I don't have any control over those things. You know how you, know how you want to deal with darkness? You know how you want to deal with darkness? You light a candle. What is this? What? I'm tired. Oh. I brought... A man's flashlight. (laughs) You can feel the heat. Oh, oh. You, you, You know there's a difference, men, when you go out the door with this at night. And you're wondering, like Barney Fife. (laughs) And then you walk out in the door with this at night. (laughs) Come on, somebody. When I go outside at night with this in my hand... The darkness goes away, and I'm announcing to all the darkness, man has showed up. I'm I'm about to accomplish something. I, I can't even shine this thing out there. You can feel the heat. You can, you can like, this is a coon hunter's dream right here. I'm just. Look at this thing. You, you want to deal with darkness? Here's Pastor Don's encouragement. To light a candle. Light a candle and watch what happens. Church, FFM needs to light a candle. We need to light a big one, right? And we need to be that city set on a hill. We need to be that candle on a lampstand that gives light to all the house. We, we literally need, we need to walk around, right, shining a light for Jesus, unafraid to be who we're called to be. That's who we need to be. What is, what is, what is this? What is this little light? No, no, I, I'm, this, I, I'm not a little light. That's not what Jesus said. I am light. The motive to deal with darkness. Let me give you the proper motive illuminating the way. And for this light to be seen, it is time for the church to live openly. Live openly. For the light to be seen, it is time for the church to live visibly. I will not be ignored. That's not the call of my life. Jesus did not save me to keep me safe. Jesus saved me to make me dangerous. Jesus didn't save me to poke me in a closet. He saved me to loose me on a lost and dying world. Jesus didn't save me to run from demons. He saved me so they run from me. I am light. This church is not called to hide. This church is not called to 
to hide. The ge- listen, the geographical location that God himself has placed our church in is a location that cannot be ignored. We're not behind the woods or behind another building. We're on Main Street where thousands of people drive by every day. And everybody who drives by there right now, looking at all those cars in that parking lot, knows exactly what we are doing in here. The cars in the parking lot give witness to Jesus. Sovereignly. By his hand, God places the church in places where it cannot be ignored. It is time to be bold for Jesus. The world has failed at hope. We, the church, FFM, are the hope of this generation. Let me tell you something, youth group, take over. What are they going to do? Take over. What are they going to do? I dare you. You go to school, it's your school, not theirs. Take over. I'll back you. Take, go in there and preach the gospel. Go in there and preach it. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. If they can preach all kinds of unrighteousness and silliness to you, you can sure stand up to them and say, I, I, I don't think so. I think I, here's what I think. I'm salt and light. Just be, just do it. I dare you. Come on. They won't do it. How about y'all? Just go tell them. Just go tell them. I dare you. Youth group, live boldly. Live live. And your life will change. They'll be, you'll be influenced instead of being ignored. Life groups of this church, uh, COVID is, we're about to re-kick off everything. And let me just tell you something, life groups. Your job is to provide community. The world is hungry for community. There's enough Bible teaching and, and Bible study and scripture going on inside this building. We need to provide community because you providing community outside this building is going to draw all of those who need community in their life. And you're going to be able to introduce them to Jesus, not because of a Bible study, but because of community. You, 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 ever, you ever built a fire? Just a big one? Just, people, it doesn't matter. It's 100 degrees outside. Build a fire. People just show up. <laughs> Child done. We just stand around the fire. It's 100 degrees out here. Just join us. Come on. Sunday school classes. Here's my encouragement. Teach classes that are relevant to everyday life, and we won't have enough room in this building for Sunday school hour. Do it. Worship team, make it louder. Come on. Turn it up. I feel like traveling. No, no, no. When we all get to heaven, I'm not waiting. Eternity started for me the day I got saved. I, I started dancing, then I ain't stopped dancing yet. Y'all probably hadn't noticed. And I'm still dancing for Jesus. I'm going to dance till he comes back. I just want you to understand. Listen, worship team, push us into the presence of God. Make us understand that what we're doing is worshiping, not just singing songs. And sing songs that push us into declaring the glory of God. That's what worship should be about. This is what we should do. You know what? The preaching, it needs to be anointed and it needs to be convicting. Come on, somebody. Jesus cautioned us against being good for nothing. That's what he said. It's not my words, it's his. Take it up with him. He wanted us to make an impact. He warned us against neutrality. In John 15, he says, if you belong to the world and if you love it, you don't belong to the kingdom. Jesus taught his disciples how to bring life to everything that was formerly dull. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to have, give you life and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus instructs his disciples how to make truth preservative. He instructs his disciples how to make truth persuasive. Think about this for a minute. 
The counselor will come and convict the world of guilt and remind them of righteousness. He taught his disciples how to make truth more appealing. I am the bread of life and he who comes to me will never go hungry. He taught his disciples how to relate to people in ways that brought healing. Heal the sick. And when you do tell them the kingdom of God is near. Jesus taught his disciples how to avoid uh, people who lack salty characteristics. Oh, he did? Sure he did. Think about this. He who listens to me, come on. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. He who rejects and, and rejects me, he rejects the one who sent me. And so Jesus is like, don't hang out with those people. You, I mean, you can't be an influence, but they're supposed to do life with you. Come on, church. He warned against phony righteousness. Woe unto you teachers and hypocrites. He warned people not to lose their saltiness through the age of weariness and apathy. He said some bear no fruit. Don't let that be you. Jesus taught people how to spice up the ministry. I like it. He said if a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear fruit. Come on church. Jesus taught people how to make ministry pleasant, exciting, and without burden. Everyone who has left house, brother, sister, father, mother, or child, for my sake, shall receive a hundred times as much. Come on, church. We should have an impact. Why? Because Firm Foundation Ministries, we are the people of God in the community to impact the community. Let me say this again. Because at the founding of our ministry in 1996. God spoke purpose. Be the people of God in the community to impact the community. Be the people of God in the community to impact the community. Don't be a secret church. We must proclaim the gospel and meet the needs of those around us. I love this. And I'm going to close here. As we proclaim the gospel and meet the needs of those around us, life for us personally will begin to have purpose. I cannot tell you the impact. I cannot express the influence and the change that happened in my wife and I and our family when we got saved and we committed to the church. We just took a picture of it while we were in Florida. I hadn't been there in years. And, and, and we got involved with what the pastor wanted done. And it gave purpose to us. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves not arguing about things, fighting, about things. We, it was, we were united in what we were doing. We had something we were doing together for God. Find ways to minister to the needs of those in your community. Now, if you belong to this church, if you're thinking about God calling you to this church, you need to understand some things. This is not a spectator event. And Pastor Don's going to lead this church, and this eldership team is going to lead this church in such a way that pushes us out. We are, more, we are way more interested in just surviving the Sunday morning experience. We don't even want to make what we do Sunday morning the, the push of that. We want Sunday morning to be the celebration of everything else we've done. So our cross-culture scholarship, where kids are saying, we ain't waiting for y'all, we go into the mission field. Yeah, we got, we got areas that we can get involved to help fund that and make sure that there's money so that we can send. And we are a sending church. That was God's prophetic word to us. Be, be in Antioch. Send. Edge Bible College will start this fall. Come on, church. I thought y'all be excited. Registration is going to be the whole month of July, starting the 1st of July, ending in July. And we're going to start our, it's been a dream of ours to educate and to walk people through the scripture and to give them the tools they needed. To, and how do we do that? We're doing that by starting our very own Bible college in little old Centerville. Little old Centerville. Youth programs, young people, there's no reason for you not to have a relationship with Jesus. You've got great leaders. 
and they've got great vision. Why don't we have an after-school program? Well, that was quiet. There's no... Yeah, I mean, people contact me every week and say, hey, Pastor Don, can we start a Bible study? Okay. You know how many kids go home after school and have nobody doing anything with them until their parents? What, what, if, what if they could come right here and, and we had those very same people saying, I'll invest my life into young people? Well, I'm just talking out loud. It was just recovery programs. What about that? A commitment to impact the community. This is where we are. How about VBS? How about VBS? You, you can be involved in VBS. It's crazy. It's insane. It'll be the best crazy insane week of your life. And last but not least, we are involved in a great organization that I helped, I was able to help uh, get started and I couldn't spend a, a ton of time there just because of responsibilities here, but I was asked to be on the board that got Hope United started in St. Joseph County. And the vision for Hope United was to be able to provide a women's shelter for women who were getting out of jail and, and were, were trying to get back on their feet and get their kids restored to them, get them back on those type of things. It's right over this called Amanda's House in Three Rivers right now. Do you know how much, ladies, you're always looking to have influence in someone's life. What greater influence could you have than spending a couple of hours a week over with a young lady who's trying to rebuild her life, whose society has thrown in a ditch and thrown away, who the rest of the world won't have nothing to do with, and all she wants to do is get her life back together and get her kids back and see what Jesus will do in her life. I I know a person if you'd like to get involved. I I know I know a person. Hope United Furniture Ministry. Some of you are involved in that where we're able to provide furniture because of donations to people who maybe lost furniture in fire or they're trying to rebuild a house and those type of things. And, and, and they call all the time. They call all the time. You can get involved in all kinds of ways in Hope United. Hope United has a vision even to provide, provide low-income housing. It's a future vision just to say, how do we provide that so we can get people back started? You know what? The, what is a greater witness of the gospel of Jesus? How could you be, be more salt and light than in a ministry involved like that? You know why we joined with that ministry? It's not Firm Foundation Ministries. It's Hope United. But because they're, the, they're being the people of God in the community to impact the community. That's who we are. Yeah. And so I want to encourage you. If you want to get involved in some community activities during the week, if you want to give your life away, if you want to lose yourself in service to something else and watch God change something so that the kingdom of God becomes more authentic and the world that we live in actually gets changed because of the glory and the light that is shed because of Christians in the world. I know no better ministry than to be involved in outside of the church than Hope United. Y'all didn't clap. And we have a relationship with these people. They are financially accountable. They are, everything is done. Miss Jill, are you here? She, she was going to try and come today, but she had some other obligations. But we can. Miss Jill's been out there before. Remember that clever statesman who said, "Let me show you something your neighbors said you couldn't afford." You remember how successful he was. Remember how successful he was at saying, invest in something for the wrong motivation. Remember that guy who sold me a vacuum because it kept my speakers clean? Jesus' church is calling us right now to invest in the, for the right reasons. And this church... You want to change your life? I'm not saying all your troubles are going to go away. But I am going to make you a promise. That when you give your life away in pursuit of the kingdom of God, you will actually find a life that is worth living. That is a promise from Jesus Christ. Salt and light 
means investing. You, you can't have my light. Not this one or this one. Get your own. I saw a little blurb on the internet last night. And this little girl was in the back seat and, and she was trying to, they had parked the car, dad was, and, and it's time to get out of the car and she's trying to take the seat belt off. Maybe you've seen this. You, you can look it up. And, and she can't get the seat belt undone. And her dad says, hey, hey, what are you doing? Can I help you? And she was like, no, you worry about your own self. It's hilarious. And he's like, yeah, but I can help you. She's like, worry about your own self. I got this. Do you want me to help you? No, I got this. <laughs> and then she, he said, well, let me help you. She said, no, you just drive and worry about your own self. I loved it. And I was like, you know what? That's our problem. We too worry about other people. And whether they ain't being a light. No, no, worry about your own self. Worry about, just here, you can't have my light. Get your own. Be who God has called us to be. I want to encourage this church. Not every sermon should be about you. It should be about a mission. And I I want us to be a light in this community. I want us to be salt in this community. I refuse for our church to be ignored. Do Do you know, you see this playground back here? How many of you enjoyed that playground? Yeah, you enjoy that playground back there, don't you? Do you know the men who showed up and women who showed up to build that thing? It's like a Chinese jigsaw puzzle. Hours to put that thing together. People from the community have been coming to our church so their kids can play on that because over at Adams Park, they don't really have anything like that. And so the village of Centerville bought something like that for Adams Park. Here's the problem. They don't have anybody to put it together. So they called the Firm Foundation Ministries. And they said, hey, Pastor Don, would some people in your church like to take a Saturday and put together our equipment in our park for us? You know what I said? Ah, let me pray about it. I'm not real sure. It's a, <laughs> you know, busy. I think we got a lot going on, stuff doing, I don't know. You know, it's Sunday morning. It, it takes all week long just to get ready for Sunday. We don't, I don't know if we have enough time. But I'll have to call you back. Uh, uh, maybe I should talk to the elders about this first. And I'll just say, uh, no. I said yes. Yes. And yes. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I don't want some other church coming in my community, putting up that thing over there for my community. This is my community. I didn't stand up and fight for this community a couple years ago to ignore it. No, no, no. We're going to do it. We'll get you a date soon. Amen? We're going to do it. And we're going to be happy about it. Why? Because we're being salt and we're being light. Come on, church. Stand up and give God some glory. Father, thank you for the encouragement. Jesus... Only you could help us see something as simple as salt and light so preciously. Oh, Jesus. Let our hearts not faint from being used for your glory because all we're doing and being is consumers. Lord, help us to understand that even in the midst of our trouble, we can still give our life away. And you will give us fresh purpose, fresh fire, fresh wind for your goodness. Yeah, Jesus, that's what we need. Fresh fresh fire I want what you desire I want to burn for you
I need a fresh, fresh fire. I want what you desire. I want a bird for you. with this thought we pray for years for revival and let me just it never comes like you think it does but regardless of when and how it comes you are a steward of that revival don't be a consumer fan the flame Find a place. Maybe you're listening today. You don't go to this church and you're not in your church for some reason. I guarantee you, your church is doing something that needs your help. Let your agendas go. Step in a place and say, what needs to be done? How can I be salt and light? And there's enough good churches in this county to deal with poverty, addiction, Come on, somebody. To deal with the struggle. Stop screaming at the darkness. Light a candle. Be a candle. Father, I want to pray for us right now as a church. We leave this place today different. You had brought us this far to leave us now, Lord. So our personal things, God, you're working on those. But today is about investing. We've heard the call. I pray there's so much salt, not a container to hold it. I pray there's so much light, the darkness flees. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Turn around and tell someone, you salt light, you salt light. the ground.